Oh, thank you everybody for joining us and hope you get your Bible out, uh, get ready, get ready to worship with us here and um, find Luke chapter 24. We're going to start out reading there and then if you were with us last week, which if you weren't, you can go back and listen to it. Um, we've been talking about as, as things have changed in our world, we've been talking about faith over fear and last week we we kind of honed in on Hebrews chapter 11, talking about the nature of faith and description that we have there in Hebrews chapter 11 of what faith is. Uh, we're going to come back to that today, so you might also find Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read this story, which is what this day and really every day for us is all about. Are you ready? Now, Wayne Dixon, if you are out there listening, I'm just now starting. So if you're timing the sermon right now, okay, you got, okay, good. Uh, Luke chapter 24, listen to this victorious passage as we read, starting in verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. There's that powerful story that we're celebrating. And as you're well aware, this Easter is different than any other Easter that I've experienced in my lifetime. But you know what? Pretty much everything else is different in the world right now as well. And there's never been a time in modern history where the whole world has been stopped and people have been given time to just stop and to think and to ponder about life and about death. Um, and I'm no expert on, like, the study of last things. But I don't think you have to have a ton of wisdom to know that what we're experiencing is, at the very least, setting the stage for things to come. Now, in the New Testament, we're talking about Easter Sunday today. In the New Testament... We don't have like these prescribed holy days that we are required to observe like they did in the Old Testament. And we also learn that all of the Old Testament things were actually shadows pointing to Christ. So all of the festivals and all the special days and everything were really designed to point to Christ. And uh, Paul talks several times in his letters of how that it's not the, sh the, the shadow that you want to hold on to when you finally get the real thing Jesus, who's casting that shadow. So uh, the thing is, for us today, every day is holy, see? And even though we set aside this time as a special time during this time of year that it actually happened, uh, you know what? Uh, even though we set aside this as an observation, we actually get to celebrate the resurrection every single day because we have faith in Jesus Christ, have a relationship with Him. So I'm thankful that even though as we sit in our homes, instead of being able to gather like we normally do, that we have learned ways to spread 
uh, to, to, to spread the word of God and to communicate with one another and to reach out, things like it. We've learned how to do that. We've also learned ways not to spread this plague, this virus. And we are praying that we're going to find ways to treat and, and prayerfully stop this thing. Um, my generation actually should be thankful, should be thankful that we didn't have to grow up in fear like a few generations before us did of like smallpox and then polio and things like that that plagued other generations. But I'm also thankful that in no time, there's been no time in history. I mean, even if this kind of thing had happened 15 years ago or so, there's been, or, or maybe even more recent than that, there was been, there's been no time that in history that we would be able to do what we're doing and have the opportunity to do as most of the world is isolating itself. Yet at the same time, most of the world have got the opportunity now to hear God's good news, to hear the gospel like never before because of the technology that we have now that we didn't have just a short time ago. But our focus today is not on disease or, or on death. It's about life, victorious life, abundant life. We're talking eternal life, eternal life. That is life that goes on forever and ever and ever. You ever experience like a close, or at least close to a perfect day? I mean, you ever have a day like that, a day that you just felt more alive than like ever before? Maybe, maybe you were on the beach or maybe you're on the lake or Maybe you were on the mountains and you're watching the sunset and you just felt this feeling, this feeling of contentment, this feeling of satisfaction, this feeling of peace, and you just felt more alive than ever before. You ever had a day like that? I mean, it's almost like we've got a built-in yearning, like you're feeling homesick for a place you've never been before. There's just a special feeling. But even if you had a day like that, chances are the next day wasn't like that. I mean, there's no perfect day that lasts, but... Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the promise of a glorious day that's going to come that will blow any other day out of the water. And guess what? It will never, ever, ever end. It'll be forever. And that's what he's promising here. And we're going to talk today about resurrection faith. We've been talking about faith over fear. And today we're going to talk about resurrection faith. Because during this time that we have had to avoid because we've, we've, we've had to avoid crowding together um, and, and, and coming together like we normally do. Uh, we still have been able to meet like this. And we've been receiving God's word about faith and giving us victory, salvation. And like I said last week, we honed in on chapter 11 of, of Hebrews about the nature of faith and uh, faith in God and what that really is. Now, I want to look back in Hebrews chapter 11. So why don't you turn there? We're going to keep studying there. And what we're going to do is we're going to find out as, they, as we go through this, he gives examples of all kinds of Old Testament saints and how that God's plan always was, as Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 tells us, and Paul reminds us later on, God's plan was always that the just shall live by faith. Even during the days before the law, even the, during the days of the law, the prescribed method that God gave them as he was gradually revealing his plan that as they came to him, they had to do certain things, but it was more than that. It was they had to trust, they had to have faith in the way that God's provided. And because they had faith, they did the things that God told them to do. And we find out as we look at this, these Old Testament saints here, that we find out that their faith, was a resurrection faith. It sure was. 
And it was demonstrated by Abraham. If you look down in verse 17, it was demonstrated by Abraham when he was willing to, walk, to offer his son Isaac. In uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, in verse 19, it says that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense, it tells us. So the writer of Hebrews, isn't it amazing that he says that he calls Isaac Abraham's only begotten son? When you and I know, if you've studied, that Abraham technically already like had a son and then later on had some more. But the word that's translated there in the original language that the Bible was written in before it was translated into all of our other languages, that original language is one word, and it's the exact same word that was used in John 3, 16, when it says that God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that we wouldn't have to perish, but that we could have eternal, everlasting life. So that word that's translated only begotten is a word that literally means one of a kind, unique son, that Isaac was the unique son of a promise that God had made. And this whole scene, as you've probably read and studied about what it's talking about here in in Hebrews, this whole scene was symbolic. It was uh, a powerful symbol of what God planned to do later on with his son. As God had asked uh, Abraham to give Isaac back to him, and to offer him back, it was symbolic. And you know the story of how God stopped Abraham and that God provided a substitute to die in Isaac's place. However, that was pointing to the fact that our heavenly father would go ahead and offer his son as a substitute for you and for me to die for all of our sins. Because why? our God is a God who brings life out of death. And this was seen in their faith as, as they all trusted God. And, and, and even, even Abraham and Sarah, you saw it even when they first struggled to believe that promise. As God singled out this man, and he's like, through you, all nations of the world are going to be blessed. I'm going to do something special. I'm going to separate you out. I'm going to send you to a special place, and I'm going to, through you, do something. And I'm going to bring into this world the one who's going to be, you and I know now, the deliverer. But even in the beginning, when God talked to Abraham, he and Sarah, as you know, were way past the years that normally this kind of thing would be happening. And it says in verse 12 that Abraham was as good as dead. In his, and it was referring to his ability to actually father a child at that time in his life. And Sarah was also past that time. And so they struggled even to believe, but they trusted God. And the promise that God made that was connected to Isaac was also connected to the promise that God had already made to Abraham when he first singled him out and said that all nations would be blessed through him. Later on, Paul brings this back up in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So right there in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, he said that God, would, God already knew that he was going to justify or help us become right with him 
All nations, all Gentiles, everyone has this opportunity in the whole world, and it would be by faith. And that he literally preached the gospel ahead of time when he was telling Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him. Now, he hadn't revealed it all. It was still mysterious, but Paul says that's what it was. It was, this, it was connected to Jesus. In fact, later on in Galatians 3, he refers to that again, and he points out that when God said that in his seed, everyone would be blessed, he points out that it was singular seed, not plural. And that word seed referred to one, and that was Jesus Christ. And so this promise, as he separated Abraham out, and he made this promise, uh, it had to do with Jesus. And it's also connected to the promise that God had actually made in the Garden of Eden right after Adam and Eve sinned. And sin came into the world and cursed the world and cursed uh, us as well. And he said that there's coming one who will be a deliverer that would come through the woman and would crush the enemy's head. This is a promise connected to that promise. And we know the fulfillment of that promise is Jesus Christ. And they believed in that. They believed in God's promise of deliverance. They believed in God's, uh, in his redemption. And they believed in something more that God had for us. And you know what? Abraham's not the exception. Um, he's not just like the only one that got it. He's the rule because the, this chapter indicates that, that all of the Old Testament saints were looking beyond the struggles and beyond the hard times. They were looking toward the eternal blessings. They were looking beyond death and the grave because all of these had a resurrection faith. He says in verse 13 of Hebrews 11, it says, these all died. He's talked about several. And he says, these all died in faith not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So we were talking last time about faith. One of the things that faith does is faith is able to see that, which to the naked eye is unseen. Paul talks about that, you remember, in 2 Corinthians 4, where he talks about how that we're looking at that which is eternal. Because what is eternal may not be visible to us right now, and what is visible is someday going to pass away. So what's more real, what's eternal and forever and permanent, or what's temporary and passing away? But the way that we see that which is unseen with the eye, as we said last time, are through the eyes of faith. And that's what he's talking about here. And they embraced it, said they saw them afar off, they were assured them. They had confidence, and they were assured. Because they had faith, they were trusting, submitting, relying to what the Lord had said. And they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They're just like aliens, and they were just passing through. This is not our homeland. And they realized there was something more. Verse 14 of Hebrews 11 says, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, that place that we're homesick for that we've never been to before. In verse 15 he says, And truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. So their focus wasn't on just the things that were happening. Now, don't get the idea that they were so heavenly minded, they were of no earthly good. They were actually of more earthly good, and they actually had more of an abundant life here because they had this perspective because of the resurrection faith that they had. And verse 16 says, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a place for them. They believed that. They had resurrection faith. These Old Testament saints did. 
as you go down through this passage in Hebrews 11, you find Moses is also a good example. Moses was looking ahead. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26, it, it tells us, actually in verse 25, as you know the story of Moses, how that Moses uh, grew up and God miraculously rescued him. And even though he was brought up and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, yet they brought in who turned out to be his real mother to help bring him up to nurse him. And she taught him the, the word of God. She taught him about these promises, no doubt. And then later on, he got education with the finest that Egypt had. But there came a time, it said, that he chose, in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy what he calls the passing pleasures of sin. And that verse 26 says that Moses esteemed, or he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Did you hear that? He looked to the reward. He saw all those treasures in Egypt, but he was focusing on the reward that God had for him. And he knew, and I believe, about this coming deliverer. And he had so much faith that he was willing to suffer. He was willing to go through whatever that God had for him to go to because he had resurrection faith and was focused on what was ahead. You know what? Jesus even referred to Moses's resurrection faith. Did you know that? In Luke chapter 20, verses 37 and 38. Luke chapter 20, verses 37 and 38. He says this. Jesus says, and he's talking to some of the religious leaders who were opposing him. He says, but even Moses showed in the burning bush passage, that the dead are raised. When he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. And Jesus referred to him. And uh, on down in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28, it tells us about Moses that by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. It's that Moses, because God gave him these instructions, he believed God and trusted God so much, he took it seriously that he obeyed it. But it came out of his heart of faith because he was focused on what was ahead. And the Passover itself, we find out, was instituted not just to remind them about what the Lord had done, and bringing them out of the bondage of Egypt and things like that, but also to keep their hearts and minds tuned to, a, to an even bigger thing that God would do. It speaks of a greater plan of God. It speaks of a greater bondage, the bondage of sin. And it speaks of a greater deliverance, the greater deliverer to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not just a coincidence that Jesus died on Passover, that he is the real Passover lamb that God himself offered to bring us out of the bondage of sin and help us to make it into his promised land that he has prepared for us forever and ever and ever. Jesus also said this about Moses in John chapter 5 verse 46 about his resurrection faith and about him believing this promise which was the unfolding plan of the gospel that was always coming through the scripture all the way through. He says in John 5 46, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me, Jesus said. That's powerful. Well, as we look here and we see these Old Testament saints, and maybe we'll come back and look at some more of them in the weeks ahead, but um, what I want to say right now is that not only was their faith with the limited understanding that they had, not only was their faith 
a resurrection faith, but your faith and my faith must also be a resurrection faith. That means we're trusting and we're relying in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is not just some event we celebrate. This is what it's about, folks. Romans chapter 10. In that book, Paul has been laying out about how that we can be cleansed from our sins and made right with God and how he works in our life to purify us and make us holy. He's talking about laying out the plan of salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he tells us this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you're willing to confess with your mouth and and to declare Jesus Lord, then he says, and believe in your heart. Believe, that's the word for faith. If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you hear that? Part of that is, is having faith in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You, it's a promise. You will be saved. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, but you don't know what all I've done or what all I've said or what all's happened in my life. But the truth is, he says, that that's why Jesus died on the cross. And if you profess him Lord and you trust him completely and you have faith in the power of his resurrection, it's a promise from God. You shall be saved. This promise is for everyone. And uh, it's a decision, though, that you have to make. It's a gift you have to receive. It was said in the old days, before, uh, before Christ especially, that Hebrew families, as they celebrated the Passover, that this question would be asked, why is this night different than any other night? And that question would be asked, and it gave a great opportunity uh, to, to answer that and discuss with everyone and with their children especially the great thing that God had done in bringing the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and according to the promise that God had made to Abraham. Maybe today we need to ask the question, why is this Sunday different than any other Sunday? Maybe we, maybe we need to ask that question. Um, and the answer, of course, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I want you to know this isn't just some tenet of religion. It's not just something we ascribe to or believe. I want to tell you it's more than even that. It is a fact of history. It's a fact of history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an event in history. That tomb is still empty. If they would have wanted to stop Christianity in its tracks in those early days, all they had to do was produce a body, and they couldn't do it. The resurrection of Christ is the one event in history that changed everything. It's what makes Christianity different than all the other religions in the world. And all the other religions in the world have to do with you trying to earn your way or do certain things, subscribe to certain things, to try to work your way to some higher level of whatever it is. But the gospel is one that tells you the way you get started is by acknowledging that you can't do it yourself and that you're not able and that you're a sinner and that you turn from that sin to the Lord and to the gift that he's already paid for. So he did for you what you could not do for yourself. That's called repentance. And, and you put your faith in what Jesus Christ did uh, in the power of the resurrection. And so you trust in the fact that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, but yet he also rose again as proof that that price was accepted, but also to give you new life. And... Um, one man once said this, that the Gospels do not explain the resurrection. The resurrection explains the Gospels. Belief in the resurrection is not an appendage to the Christian faith. It is the Christian faith. So Jesus not only died to pay for our sins, but he rose again, conquering death, 
He conquered sin. He conquered the grave. Ephesians chapter 5, no, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, tells us that we were dead before Christ, before we put our faith in Him. It says we were dead in sin, but we have now been made alive together with Christ, and He reminds us by grace you have been saved. It's that gift that He paid for. He says we were dead in sin. We were separated from God. But once we put our faith in Him, we were made alive together with Christ. There's already been a resurrection that has happened inside of us. If you've been saved, there's already been. You've gone from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. So there's already a resurrection happening in your life. And um, even though, as I said, we were physically alive, we were separated from God. And so God has already done this work in our heart and our life. So there's resurrection now. We live every day in the reality and the power of that resurrection as we have resurrection faith in Jesus Christ. But it also has to do with eternal life, that there's going to be a literal bodily resurrection and that we are going to enjoy Him forever. And uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, But the Spirit, or He says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Did you hear that? If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead uh, lives and dwells in you. Now, He's already told us in verse 9 of Romans 8 that anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ is not His. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. And then He gives us this promise that that presence of God, the Holy Spirit in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So we have that promise. And in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is praying that God would open the understanding of those that he was writing to. So you might be just coming to faith for the first time. I don't know. Uh, Or it may be that you trusted Christ a long time ago. And the people he was talking to in Ephesians had trusted Christ, many of them, a long time ago. But he's still saying, Lord, open their minds, open their hearts, help them. And that's what I want to pray continually. And I want to pray for all of you that that will happen. He's wanting them to understand that they might know the hope that they have in Christ and the riches that they have in Christ. And here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. He says this. He says that they might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. That word believe means to have faith. According to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That same power, he said, that brought Jesus out of the grave and seated him at the Father's right hand, that same power, he said, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The Holy Spirit, God's presence in us. And that's powerful. And that should be the reality in our lives. And as Christians, he wants us to understand that, that we never forget that. So to wrap up, I just want to say this. Do you have resurrection faith? And you say you have faith in God. Do you have resurrection faith? That is, you believe in all that this day is about. If you haven't placed your faith in Christ, you need to know this. God wants to give you a new life right now. He wants resurrection life to start happening in your life right now. You're dead spiritually. He wants to make you spiritually alive by trusting in Christ's death as payment for your sins. 
And then not only that, he wants to give you new life through Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he brings this parallel of resurrection and our baptism. Our baptism actually illustrates this. He says in Romans 6, 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Did you get that? And this is one reason why uh, we realize that, that our baptism is, is, a, is symbolic and it expresses what happens when we get saved. And this is one reason why we, and it's not the method of baptizing that saves you, it's Jesus that saves you. But this is one reason why we believe this is the way it should be done because it accurately pictures, uh, is an expression of what you've put your faith in. That as we baptize, we're buried, Paul says, in baptism. Just like Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, I needed that. And I put my faith in that. I'm identifying with the fact that Jesus died and paid for my sins and was buried as you go down into the water. And this is why we baptize by immersion, because it pictures that. But then we don't stay there. We come up out of the water. As he says, just like Jesus came up out of the grave, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we should walk in newness of life. So it's illustrating that we are, by faith, identifying with his death and his resurrection power to cause us to live in newness of life. Saving faith is a resurrection faith, folks. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, John says this. He goes, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it's not yet revealed what it will be. People say, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like? We don't yet, we can't even really understand all of that when we're resurrected. But he says this. He says, but we know that when he is revealed, when Christ is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Did you hear that? We're going to be like, we have a resurrection body like what Jesus had. I mean, it's amazing that Jesus, he appeared one place and then appeared another place. They touched him and they felt him. He even ate fish one day while he's with them. But then he walked right through a wall. I don't know, but he says this. He says that we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. In verse 3, he says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This hope should motivate us and actually enable us to become what he wants us to be. So faith in his resurrection helps us to be made right with God because he paid for our sins and now he wants to give us new life. And I hope that you're walking in that truth and celebrating that truth as we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and celebrating our own resurrection. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what this day stands for and what every day of our life can stand for until you bring us all home to be with you in glory and we experience that final resurrection, Lord. Thank you, though, that you can resurrect our dead hearts and make them alive to you right now today. And I pray that somebody out there right now is doing just that. And I want to pray your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.